Uh, we're going to be uh, starting our, our new series this, this Sunday called uh, Iron Man. Uh, this, is, uh, this is for the women as well, not just for the, the men, not just for the brothers. But what we found, you know, when you study churches is that women are just kind of naturally spiritual. You know what I'm saying? They come to church, they, you know, but guys are like a little harder to get to come to church and stuff. So part of the thing is we're trying to put worship series together and stuff that the, the guys would want to come to. You guy at the office or whatever. So Iron Man sounds a little more kind of a guy from the office might come rather than, you know, overcoming uh, blocks in your emotional character or something like that. You know what I mean? Like Iron Man, you know, so that, that's the idea. But, but we're all going to get a lot out of this. Believe me. Uh, looking at some heroes from the, the Old Testament. Today we're going to be looking at a guy named Ehud. You may have never heard of Ehud. We wanted to pick a few characters you, you might not have heard, heard of. So the, the title of the lesson today is Ehud, the difference of one. The difference of one. We, we just sang that song, one by one, soul by soul. That's the way that the whole world can be changed is one soul at a time. And, and every one soul really makes a huge difference to God. Don't you want to be significant? Don't you want your life to matter? Uh, we had a, a, a devotional last night over at uh, the John and Sylvia Carter's house. They had a bunch of preteen boys over. Appreciated them doing that. And they have a little fire, plate, fire pit in their backyard. And we were gathered around there talking and, and uh, opening the Bible. But, but I said, how does it feel to be chosen or to be not chosen? How do you, how do you feel? And a lot of the boys shared about... You know, being the last one picked for pickup football and how that felt or, or basketball, you know, like, oh, made me feel better. One, you know, a couple of the boys shared about being chosen and how they felt so special. We all want that feeling of being chosen, don't we? We all want that feeling of, of our life counting for something, of having significance. Nobody wants to, to, to be somebody that it's like, oh, I could give or take that person. I, I remember feeling that, you know. It's kind of like you choose teams and there's three or four of you left. and Oh, you can have those guys. That's all right. You know, Nobody wants that. We want our life to count. We want our life to have significance. And we're going to see this guy, Ehud. He made a difference, an incredible difference, just one man. The book of Judges, just to give you a little bit of background. Uh, Judges takes place, uh, timeline-wise, uh, God called Abraham, uh, Isaac, and Jacob. He, he spoke to those men. He said, I'm going to make Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And the descendants of Abraham ended up in Egypt in slavery down there in Egypt. So 400 years or so, they were, uh, became slaves. They were a nation within a nation, and they were slaves. They called out to God for God to deliver them, and God sent Moses, who, who told Pharaoh what? Let my people go. We all know that one. And God uh, delivered his people from slavery. Two million people he delivered from slavery. It's amazing to think about all these people that God delivered. They came out of slavery in Egypt and they came to the promised land. Joshua led them into the promised land. But as they come into the promised land, God said, you're not going to conquer it all right away. You, 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 they make it into the promised land, but there's still all the, uh, the Canaanites who were, were wicked, wicked people. And so God had these laws about not associating with them, not intermarrying with them, not allowing themselves to be polluted by them. And uh, let's, let's pick it up here in, in Judges 2, 6, so you just get a little context here. It says, After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to the, take possession of the land, each to their own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who'd seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. So, so, you know, the, these, they, they stay faithful. 
Then in verse 10, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who neither knew the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They they forsook God, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the peoples around them. And so what happens is uh, they go through this cycle through the book of Judges where God's people get off track. They get led astray by idols and they they allow... uh, the, the, the habits and, and the, the, the worldliness of, of the people around them to, to, to pollute them. And then they, they, because of that, they end up in trouble because sin brings consequences, doesn't it? And so they have hardship. And then they cry out to God and then God sends them a deliverer. And then they're, they're doing well. And then they do well for a while. And then they, they get in, give in to sin again. And then things go bad again. And then they cry out to God and then God delivers them. And then they're doing well. And then they do bad again. And then... They cry out to God and then God sends them to deliver and then they do well again. You know, can anybody relate to that in your life? You know, that, that's kind of how life is. And, and the, these things that are written in the Old Testament, the Bible says, are as examples for us. And a lot of these things that happen in a physical sense in the Old Testament have spiritual parallels. So, for example, you know, you become a Christian and, 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 and now your sins are forgiven, just like Tom talked about. But the sinful nature is still there. And you still got to live your life on this planet. And so you're going to have ups and you're going to have downs. You're still got to, you know, it's not like, okay, you got baptized, you're a Christian. Now you, you have no more struggle with sin and you just kind of, you're just this perfect person until you go to heaven. I mean, that would be, wouldn't that be awesome? But that's not it. We're in the struggle. Just like God's people were there in the promised land, but they were in a struggle. And everyone here today, you are in a spiritual battle. If you say, oh, I'm not in a spiritual battle then it just shows you how numb you are. just shows you how out of touch you are. Because we all are in this spiritual battle. And i got to be honest, myself, I w- sometimes I wish I didn't have to fight. You know what I mean? I just wish I could just, like Satan, just leave me alone for a while. Just give me a little rest. Give me, a, give me time to relax. I, I'm tired of trying to fight. You know, if I let up, then my sinful nature is going to take over. You know, I, 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 I wish sometimes that, that it wasn't that way, but it, it just is. And so, you know, I, I, I was baptized 23 years ago, 1988, and it's a great memory. Uh, and I, I'm so glad God saved my soul and, and, and my sins were washed, washed away in the, in the fount of baptism. But you know what? I'm here now. You know, it's the daily struggle now with my flesh, with my sinful nature, with my uh, pride, with my uh, materialism, with my uh, desire for comfort, with lust, with, with anger, with, you know what I'm saying? All that stuff is just here and now, and I'm in this break. And, and I hope that you're inspired today, if nothing else, that, that you really go, I want to fight this battle. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose to fight this day, day in, day out, one day at a time, and God is going to be with me, and you're going to see how to be victorious in this. Okay, let's get into the story here, Judges 3. Judges chapter 3. This is a great story. Ehud is a cool name, isn't it? The villain in the story has a really cool name, too. Kind of like Star Wars characters. Judges 3, verse 12. It says, Again, the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Because they did this evil, the Lord gave Eglon, king of Moab, power over Israel. Again, remember the cycle we're talking about? And just to stop for a second, why does God give power to Eglon? That doesn't seem fair. Isn't Eglon an awesome name for a a villain, by the way? Eglon. Again, why does God give him power? You know, I thought he was a bad guy. 
Well, that, this is what God does. He allows sometimes our own sinful situation to kind of become unbearable so that what? So we'll just suffer. So we'll turn to Him. God allows sometimes the consequences of sin. God allows even hardships because He wants us to turn to Him. Verse 13, getting the Ammonites and Amalekites to join him, Eglon came and attacked Israel, and they took possession of the king of, of Palms. The Israelites were subject to King Eglon of Moab for 18 years. Again, the Israelites cried out to the Lord, and he gave them a deliverer, Ehud, a left-handed man, the son of Gera the Benjamite. The Israelites sent him with tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Ehud had made a double-edged sword about a cubit long, which he strapped to his right thigh under his clothing. He presented the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab, who was a very fat man. After, Eglon had produ- after Ehud had presented the tribute, he sent on their way those who had carried it. But on reaching the stone images near Gilgal, he himself went back to Eglon and said, Your Majesty, I have a secret message for you. The king said to his attendants, Leave us! And they all left. Ehud then approached him while he was sitting alone in the upper room of his palace and said, I have a message from God for you. As the king rose from his seat, Ehud reached with his left hand, drew the sword from his right thigh and plunged it into the king's belly. Even the handle sank in after the blade and his bowels discharged. See, now you know I even heard this story. It's not exactly like kids' kingdom material. It's kind of, kind of PG-13. Verse 23, then Ehud went out to the porch. He shut the doors of the upper room behind him and locked them. After he had gone, the servants came and found the doors of the upper room locked. They said, he must be relieving himself in the inner room of the palace. They waited to the point of embarrassment. But when he did not open the doors of the room, they took a key and unlocked them. There they saw their Lord fallen to the floor dead. While they waited, Ehud got away. He passed by the stone images and escaped to Sarai. When he arrived there, he blew a trumpet on the hill country of Ephraim. And the Israelites went down with him from the hills, with him leading them. Follow me, he ordered, for the Lord has given Moab, your enemy, into your hands. So they followed him down and took possession of the fords of the Jordan that led to Moab. They allowed no one to cross over. At that time, they struck down about 10,000 Moabites, all vigorous and strong. No one escaped. That day, Moab was made subject to Israel, and the land had peace for 80 years. Isn't that a cool story? It's like a, something from a movie or something. It's, I love that story. It's just really awesome. Uh, our hero, Ehud, his name means, I will give praise, or I give thanks. And, uh, you know, Eglon, I can't remember what Eglon means, but it just sounds like a bad guy. Sounds like a big, fat, greedy man. And uh, I, have a, I have a video clip here uh, of this story. So if you, you want to turn on the audio there and, and uh, we'll watch this video clip here of the story. This is uh, Ehud. Eglon. Your Majesty, I have a secret message for you. Leave us. I just pictured Jabba the Hutt, you know, I think of Eglon. And, uh, you know, th- 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 this guy, again, remember there's spiritual parallels. We all have an Eglon in our life. It's not, it's not necessarily your boss, you know, or your manager. It's, 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 I think it's our simple nature. You know, it's greedy, fat, selfish, wants to be in charge. We all have an Eglon. 
What is your Eglon? You know, p- picture that, you know, your sinful nature kind of looks a little like Jabba, I think, you know. I mean, it could be lust, it could be anger, it could be bitterness, it could be selfishness, greed, anxiety, financial situation. It could be, you know, something that's not your sinful nature, but it's just a challenging situation. Your health situation, your family situation. But we all have these things where we just feel oppressed, just like Moab was oppressing the people of Israel. We have those situations where we can feel uh, dominated by. In, in this case, uh, he, Ehud had to go pay tribute to, to Eglon. So the people had to give money to, to pay off the king, basically, on you know, a regular basis. So he's coming to the king with tribute, but really it's we're giving you money because you're making us give it to you, you know? And we can have situations like that where we just feel overwhelmed. Do you ever feel like that? Just overwhelmed. I think even just this week, uh, I was putting my kids to bed, and uh, that's what was at women's midweek, and trying to, you know, be patient. And, and it just, they're fighting with each other, they're fighting with each other, and, and you know, just kind of, the, the tension is rising, rising, and I'm just like, uh, you know, I told them, I'm like, I'm so close to sinning right now. I'm just so, like, I just have to, because I'm, I just want to scream and swear and punch something, you know, because I'm just so mad. Because my anger, my Eglon anger, you know, is trying to control me. And, uh, you know, we're, like I said, we're in that struggle. So we're going to look at what did Ehud do to be able to conquer Eglon? And how can you conquer your own personal Eglon? Number one, look for a godly opportunity. Look for a godly opportunity. You know, this was uh, kind of a dark situation he was in. Uh, he's on his way to, to pay the tribute to Eglon, and yet Ehud goes, what could, I, what could God do in this situation? You know, how could this be used in a way that could turn the situation around? He, he, he takes a risk. He steps out on faith and, and he goes, you know, what, how is there an opportunity for God to work in this situation? Because God is bigger than any Eglon in your life. God is bigger than any overwhelming situation. And he is able to turn the darkest situation into an amazing opportunity. You look at Paul. Uh, we, most of us probably know the story of Paul. On the road to Damascus, he's on his way to kill Christians. And yet he becomes one of the greatest leaders of the Christian church in, in one situation. In this situation, you see, in one event uh, where Eglon had been dominating them for 18 years, now it's, it's all turned around in one day, in one event, one man, and they have peace for 80 years. Just in one, like that. That's what God does. He turns situations around, even if it seems dark. And, and, and Eglon had some issues where he, he might have... Um, thought they were weaknesses. Like, for example, it says he was left-handed. And in, in ancient times, left-handed people were kind of, you know, that, that was not a good thing to be left-handed. In the, in the Hebrew, it says he was weak on the right side. So some people think maybe he was even crippled on the right side. Other people think he was, it just means he's left-handed. But, but he had this, you know, he wasn't like everybody else. He, had, well, he could have been seen as a personal weakness. And yet it made him perfect because... Because he was left-handed, he, he had his dagger and he put it on his right thigh so he could grab it out like that, you know, whereas most, most people would pe- keep their sword here, keep their weapon here. And so, you know, the, the Secret Service, Eglon Secret Service, they're kind of lazy and they just check the one thigh that, that you know, normally everybody has their weapon on. And Ehud snuck in with his, you know, his one on the right thigh. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
So the left-handedness actually worked out. And, uh, you know, he, he, and he, he thought this through. He prepared. I, I love how he, you know, I have a secret message for you. You know, he must have thought this through. Don't you think he would have felt some fear, though, as he was anticipating this? You know, okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be there right in the midst of the, the palace and, and everything, and I'm going to stab him. I mean, that, see, you know, it, it's kind of a, a, a scary situation, and yet he was looking for an opportunity for God. So for us, you know, what is your opportunity? How do you find an opportunity? How do you look for a godly opportunity? I think it starts with really being spiritually aware. Kind of opening your spiritual eyes to what is God doing? What, how does God view my situation? How can I be delivered from this situation? It, it really starts with that personal time with God, listening to the Spirit's voice, looking for, for being spiritually tuned in to what God is doing. And is that you, you know, or are you kind of just going on through the motions, just showing up with your tribute, paying off Eglon? You know what I'm saying? I think that can be how we are, just kind of go through the motions rather than looking for the godly opportunities. Uh, there was a story I wanted to share here. In Japan, we all know uh, the situation with the, uh, the the incredible earthquake there and the tsunami and the devastation. I don't know if you know uh, what our church there, we have a, our, our church that's in Japan did with the situation, but I want to show a really short a video of kind of what they did with this opportunity. You know, I appreciate our brothers and sisters in Japan. They saw where, where, where it was a horrible, dark situation for their country. They saw this is an opportunity for God to shine, for God to work. And so they had hundreds of people volunteer to serve the people of this community. And they saw nine people baptized in seven weeks, you know, because of just God working in that dark situation. God, that's what God does. So whatever your situation is, God is a God of deliverance. God is the God who created the whole universe. God rules the nations. He is bigger than your Eglon situation. Anything is possible for him. We've just got to keep in step with him and what he's doing and where his spirit is leading. We've got to look for a godly opportunity. Number two, take bold and faithful action. Take bold and faithful action. You know, I, I like... His plan here, he gets, gets the king alone by saying he has a secret message for him. So everybody leaves, and, and Eglon was probably a little prideful. He didn't want anybody else to hear the good, good message. And, and then he uh, reached with his left hand, drew the sword from his right thigh, plunged it into the king's belly. I would say that was swift and strong and sharp action that Ehud took. And that's what we've got to do in our lives, I think, 
you don't deal gently with sinful situations. You don't kind of ease out of them. We've got to take bold and faithful action when it comes to uh, the challenging or, 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 or sinful situations in our lives. I, I, when you think about Jesus, Jesus was a dangerous man. He was a, a, a provocative man. He was a radical man. He was a, not a comfortable savior. When you were around Jesus, you, you felt called higher. You felt challenged. And people either turned on him and wanted to kill him, or they followed him and made him their Lord. And we, I was talking with one of my sons the other day. He was saying, how come the, the guys who were like the preachers for the church are the ones that killed him? And so we had a really good discussion about how the religious leaders were the ones that felt so threatened by him and were the ones that arranged to have him killed. Why? Because they, they didn't respond in the right way to Jesus. Jesus demands bold and faithful action when you really look at his word. I mean, Jesus said, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. That's radical. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. That's radical. What, was he talking about literally cutting off your hand? I don't think so. I, I haven't seen any theologians say he meant it literally. But I think he did mean deal swiftly and deal strongly and, and don't mess around. You don't mess around with Eglon. You take him out in the way that Ehud did. For us, what's our we- weapon of choice? It's the Word of God. Ehud had his dagger it was double-sided, a cubit long, which is like a foot and a half. We've got the Word of God. On the screen, I'll throw a couple scriptures. It says, Hebrews 4.12, a lot of us know this. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. Ephesians 6.17, take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We have a weapon. God has given us a weapon. We've got to use it. Against the Eglons of our lives. We gotta stab in the gut Eglon with the Word of God, alright? And, and, and so we've gotta take bold and faithful action and not be afraid to step out. I think it's natural for us to be fe- fearful. I, I imagine Ehud had some fear as he's going into the situation. I imagine his heart was pounding. But he still stepped out and did it. Uh, in, in the family ministry, we have this, uh, series coming up in homes. We're meeting in homes and we're talking about our marriages called the Essential Eight series and uh we're, we're we we decided we would go out and invite people in the neighborhood near where we're doing it at john and sylvia carter's house and so it's amazing how we we decided okay we're going to go out and, and and knock on doors and invite people to this thing it's amazing all the obstacles that came up i mean sickness you know uh kids freaking out um you know just you know what i'm saying because because god doesn't want us to take bold and faithful action it was good to get out there and and, and meet people and and see, you know, God work, but man, Satan does not want us to take bold and faithful action. I appreciate the, uh, a lot of us have heard about the, the new church we have here in the coastal LA region, the, the, the MOE ministry. I really appreciate their courage. You know, they went door knocking twice a day for two weeks. And 40 people had around 300 at their first service. Here's a, here's a picture of their first service. They packed the place. If my clicker would work. There we go. They packed the place. You know, that, that, it's so exciting to see God work when you step out and take bold and faithful action. But we ha- we're the ones that have to step out of our fear and, and get out of our comfort zone. And then always God comes through for us. God always comes through. Don't be a couch potato Christian. You guys remember that uh, lesson Marco did where he had a bag chair like, like you use at a soccer game and 
sitting down in it like this is how we live our Christian life sometimes, on the sidelines, in the bag chair. You know, that's not how we were designed to, to be. God designed us to live on the edge. Don't let, let fear or apathy or spiritual numbness control your life. You were meant to lead a wild, vibrant, daring, exciting, risk-taking life on the edge for Jesus. Amen? Do something bold and faithful. Last point, call others to follow. I like what Ehud uh, says here. Call others to follow. It says uh, in verse 28, Follow me, he ordered, for the Lord has given Moab your enemy into your hands. So they followed him down and took possession of the fords of Jordan that led to Moab. You know, he, he doesn't say, follow me because I'm such an awesome, incredible warrior. He doesn't say, follow me because I just killed Ahad with my cool sword. He doesn't say, follow me because I'm the most inspiring leader you've ever had. He says, follow me. Why? Because God has given Moab into your hands. Because God is moving. He was in touch with what God was doing. He had no, it wasn't about him, it was about God and his plan and his purpose. That's, that's why we can really have impact. You know, the, the, the lesson today is the difference of one. You can make an impact not because of who you are, but because of who God is and who God chooses to use. God can use anyone for his purpose. If we just, if we just do this, if we just look for a spiritual opportunity, if we just take bold and faithful action, God will work. God can use any one of us. He's just waiting for us to step out on faith. And when we do, when we see God working, then we call others to follow. Hey, look what God is doing. Come on with me. Amen? First we step out on faith, then we see God work, then we call others to follow. I appreciate uh, those in the family ministry who've stepped up to lead small groups. You know, we have a lot of new small group leaders. We have some new city group leaders. That's a step of faith. You know, we, ha- we, we hadn't had a lot of people saying, you know, I, I don't have, I'm, my life isn't busy enough. I'd like to lead a group. <laughs> yeah, I've never heard that. We're all super busy. You know, in the family ministry, you've got a lot going on with your kids and with soccer games and with piano lessons and with homework and with school and with two people working in the home usually and all this stuff. But I appreciate those who've said, you know, I, I'm willing to serve. I'm willing to lead. I'm willing to, to lead a group. Uh, you know, I appreciate the, the students in our, in our teen ministry. We have, uh, uh, some of the, the teen leaders are away on a re- retreat this weekend. But I appreciate the students and the teen leaders who are, are, are leading these Truth Be Told Bible Talks on their campuses. I mean, if you think about, you know, high school. High school, I mean, even now when I go to a high school, I feel just, I feel nervous. I play volleyball at the YMCA and sometimes a lot of high school kids that play on high school teams will show up and you get around like all these high school kids and I start to feel those feelings of, oh, but I'm, I'm, I gotta be cool. I gotta fit in. And do they like me? And like, what is this? I never, I don't remember feeling this in a long time. You know, high school is brutal. And these guys are heroes. They're out there preaching the word for God and they're calling other people to follow in these truth be told Bible talks. You know, with this Essential Eight series that the family ministry is doing. You know, guys, I, I, we, we had to talk about this with our, with our group. I mean, basically it's just saying, I, you know, to another couple that you're reaching out to, I need help in my marriage. I would imagine, I bet you do too. You know, so come be, you know, be with me and these other couples. We all need help in our marriage, so we're going to help each other. And we need the Word of God. You know, it's kind of like, 
just follow me and I'll show you where you can get help. It's like one beggar telling another beggar where to buy, where to find bread, you know. I don't have all the answers, but let's go together. Follow me. And, and I know this is what our community needs. Uh, for the singles ministry, you guys have the Ignite retreat coming up, right? Up in the mountains. I mean, what an opportunity to call other people to follow. And it's not even very expensive for all-you-can-eat food, right? I mean, come on. Call other people. We have a lot of great opportunities coming up. We just have to call people to follow. I want to share uh, one more story here uh, about a guy who, who God changed and he called other people to follow. Uh, this is from the Disciples Today website. It says, The power of God to change one man's life forever. He was 22 years old and tired, exhausted, actually. Over a decade of participating in homosexual activity, clandestine and anonymous sexual encounters with strangers, living a double life, hiding in plain sight, unable to be real with people he was close to, afraid he'd hurt them if they knew the truth, and a broken relationship with his boyfriend of several years had all taken its toll. Guy Hammond knew he didn't have the strength to live like this any longer. Yet he had no ability to stop this thing that he loved, this thing that he hated. He found that the more he indulged himself in the gay life, the emptier he felt. The emptier he felt, the more he would indulge himself to get his, quote, fix, hoping to numb the pain, even if only temporarily. It was a vicious cycle. Not only was his life broken, but so was his heart. Thankfully, God had another plan for Guy's life. In the summer of 1985, he was invited to the Toronto Church of Christ, studied the Bible, and was baptized. Not only has he stayed a faithful disciple ever since, but he's not, not been involved or acted out in any kind of homosexuality now since his conversion 25 years ago. Guy says, somehow, during these confusing times, God lovingly came for me. He sent godly men who loved me in spite of who I had become. They were not judgmental in their attitudes and saw my sin as equal to that of any other sin. In them I saw God's love and compassion and made the decision to repent and quit this lifestyle forever. I didn't leave homosexuality because it was so terrible, because it did satisfy many needs in my life. I left homosexuality because I found something significantly superior. Jesus is incalculably better than the homosexual lifestyle I left, and I wouldn't go back for anything. Jesus truly is the pure, clean drinking water that quenches the thirst of my heart forever. It's been mind-boggling how, guy, how God has blessed the decisions and repentance. That decision and repentance. In 1991, something occurred in Guy's life that he'd always dreamed of but never believed was truly possible. He married his wife, Kathy, and they just celebrated their 20th wedding anniversary. The Hammonds have also been blessed with four children, two whom they recently adopted. They are all teenagers, one of whom is a faithful disciple. In 1998, Guy went into the full-time ministry in Toronto and is appointed an evangelist in 2004. He currently leads the Halifax Church of Christ in Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. But God's work is not done yet. Five years ago, with the help of Douglas Jacoby, Guy started a new ministry to help other disciples who are also same-gender attracted. Strength and Weakness Ministries, strengthandweakness.org. Since its inception, this ministry has assisted hundreds of disciples from over 90 International Churches of Christ congregations in over 20 countries around the globe. You know, I just want to read that scripture because 
I think sometimes we can even, you know, we have a friend or a coworker or, or a fellow student who's gay, and we think, oh, well, oh, well, I guess they're not open. Why? Just because they have, a, they have an egg line? Just say, you, you have egg line. You know what I'm saying? And yet God was able to l- deliver this man, and he called other people to follow. And now hundreds of people are being helped by God working in his life. You know, your story might not be quite as dramatic or it might be a little different, but God will use you just like God is using Guy and and, and is using others in our fellowship. That's who God is. The power of one is because of the power of God. And uh, we're going to get to uh, hear a song from from Betty right now. I love hearing Betty sing, don't you guys? And uh, this song is called The Power of One. And the words are going to be on the screen. I really want you to, uh, to, to pay attention to the words because they uh, really talk about exactly what we're talking about, the power of each one of us uh, being able to be used by God to make a difference. Let's have a word of prayer, and then uh, Betty will, uh, will do the song for us. God, thank you that you are a God who delivers. Thank you that anything is possible for you. God, help us to open our eyes to your spirit and what he is doing in our lives and in our communities and in our, the, the environments around us. Uh, God, I know sometimes I can be faithless. I can be numb. I can just kind of plod along and go through the motions rather than being on the edge spiritually and seeing what you're doing and being in the battle. Uh, God, forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for my timidity, for my anger. God, forgive me for allowing my sinful nature sometimes to have victories. And I pray to just every day this week, to live a radical, victorious, faithful life, just like Eglon, just like Ehud had victory over Eglon. Thank you for uh, this community that we have around us. Thank you that we can spur one another on towards love and good deeds, as Tom read earlier, that we can help each other. I know we, none of us could make it on our own. We need each other. Uh, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.